Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Brother Douglas, you want to pass these out, please, sir? We've been doing studies, going through the book of Mark's gospel, and um, we're continuing that tonight, and uh, we, our lesson tonight, I've given it the title, The Most Important Question Ever Asked, The Most Important Question That's uh, ever ask. I'd like to say we welcome those who may be watching by uh, means of the uh, live stream tonight. Appreciate you uh, as well. And uh, everybody be in prayer for Brother Michael, our connecting pastor from uh, Rwanda. He is in uh, he traveled, got on um, on a bus, and went over mountains and valleys and every 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 kind of thing you can imagine uh, t- uh, over a 24-hour journey by bus to go to into Kenya, and he's doing some meetings over there right now, and we want to um, remember uh, him in our prayers. Uh, we're going to get um, go ahead and get into our lesson uh, as we are going through uh, the book of Mark. Tonight we're going to be, our scripture reference is going to be in chapter 8. We're going to read verses 27 through 29. Um, as I've already said, uh, the title of the lesson tonight is the most important question ever asked. This is what our scripture looks like. Now Jesus and his disciples went out of the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. You are the Christ. And, of course, we know and understand that that name Christ, it means the Messiah the anointed one, uh, the Messiah, the anointed one. Um, the verses that we are looking at tonight marks a turning point in the narrative of Mark's gospel. Now, as we go through Mark, and uh, as you know, we're not going chapter by chapter, but we're picking out things that are uh, that uh, that Mark dealt with. And where we're at tonight in the 8th chapter, uh, it marks a turning point in the narrative of how Mark uh, wrote his gospel. Uh, 
the first half of Mark portrays Jesus as the Son of Man uh, who came to serve. He didn't come to have people serve him, but he come to serve. And the first part of, of Mark uh, portrays Jesus as the Son of Man. But from here on out, the rest of the way through the book of Mark, and there's only 16 chapters, here on out, he is portrayed as the Son of God, Savior of the world, who came to die for the sins of men. Hallelujah. He didn't come just to serve, but he come to save. Can you say amen? He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Three times, <coughs> you'll, if you look through and notice, and uh, this is one reason why I'm giving you the handout so you'll have this with you. Three times in chapters, between chapters 8 through 10, Jesus speaks of dying and being raised from the dead. At three times in chapters 8 through 10, he speaks of dying, losing his life, and being raised from the dead. But the interesting thing is his disciples never got it. To me, he spoke plain. He spoke clear. But they never got it. Now, where we're at uh, tonight, if you was to read on down further past um, verse 29, you'll find out that Jesus began to talk about what was going to happen to him, how he's going to be uh, crucified and, and then raised from the dead. And Peter actually had the nerve the Bible said to pull Jesus aside and try to rebuke him. Can you imagine Peter trying to rebuke Jesus? He says, no, this ain't going to happen to you. This ain't, this ain't going to come about. What did Jesus tell him? He looked at him eyeball to eyeball and said, get behind me, Satan. <clears throat> here's, the, here's the man that... <clears throat> going to be the leader. Here's the man uh, that, and a little later on, God's going to give him the keys. Amen. But right here, he looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Hallelujah. They couldn't, they couldn't get what Jesus was trying to tell them. That his main purpose Yes, he worked miracles. He healed the sick. He even raised the dead. But that was not his main purpose for coming. That's like a lot of people today, they want to put more emphasis on healing and working miracles than anything else. But that ain't the main objective. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I guarantee you, you're not going to get healed of everything all the time. 
if I live long enough, I'm going to have to, I'm going to come down with something that's going to take me out of here. And I don't care how much faith nobody's got that prays for me. When I'm sick unto death, I'm leaving here. Amen. It's the truth. God has to say so when life leaves. That's what I told when I was up to the, uh, to the hospital and I was talking to Brother Paul and Sister Edna. I said, you know, maybe some doctors or nurses or other people thought that when they cut that machine off of him that he was going to go immediately. I said, but God was letting everybody know that Terry's life was in his hands. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in the hands of God than anybody's hands. Hallelujah. I'd rather be in God's hands than anybody's hands. Hallelujah. He has the final say-so over everything. So three different times in, in these chapters, Jesus speaks of his death, being rose uh, from the dead. But the disciples never... It never registered. Because even after when the fact happened, you'll know that when Mary and some of the women had uh, went to the tomb and then they actually had seen him and went back to tell them, they didn't believe, the disciples wouldn't believe. You know, they wouldn't believe. For some reason, they never could get so the question brought to their attention is one of the most important questions ever asked. Who do you say that I am? <clears throat> now that's going to be the meat of what I'm going to deal with tonight. Because if we fail to know who Jesus is, our whole concept of Christ, along with our relationship with him, will be flawed and unproductive. Knowing who Jesus is is the most important thing you can deal with. Nothing no more important. No need to talk about heaven and streets of gold and all that stuff. If you don't ever figure out who Jesus is, you ain't going to see it anyway. Hallelujah. We got to know We've got to be able to answer that question correctly. Because if we fail to know who he is, and I've got it wrote in your notes, our whole concept, along with our relationship with him, will be flawed and unproductive. First point, the question has a clear answer. The question has a clear answer. The question in respect has a clear answer in respect to there is only one correct response. Amen. What I mean by the question having a clear answer is there's only one correct response. The question is not who is Jesus to you. Amen. The question is not who is Jesus to you or who do you conceive Jesus to be. 
Amen. It's nothing about you, and it's all about Him. It's nothing about you, but it's all about Him. There is only one correct, clear answer, and the answer is not based on subjective feelings or personal opinions. There's a lot of people got an opinion about who Jesus is. Like all them other, when Jesus asked first, who do men say I am? Some, well, some say you're John the Baptist, you resurrected. You don't come back. Some say you're Elijah. All those things are personal opinions based on somebody's feelings. Your feelings don't have nothing to do with it, folks. When we're talking about the most important question ever asked, my feelings and your feelings don't have a thing to do with it. There's only one correct response. <coughs> and here we get to the point of it. The answer is based on absolute truth. Absolute truth. I would like everybody to really get that in your head. Those two words. Absolute truth. We live in a day to where people don't believe or they don't accept any truth being absolute. Truth is perceived as being relative to time, situation, and circumstance. That is, that is what people refer to truth today. Well, what may be truth today might not necessarily be truth tomorrow, they say. Or my truth is different than your truth. You know? Uh, I'm going to tell you something. If it's truth, it don't ever change. If it's absolute truth, it never changes. What's truth today was truth yesterday, and what's truth yesterday will be truth tomorrow. Hallelujah. Who is he? I thank the Lord this past week for one of my bus driver friends. Um... He is um, a, a member of another church um, denomination, but they wanted him to take a group of his kids to that Islamic center in Nashville. And he found out that those kids he was going to carry out there when they got in, they was going to have to take the shoes off before they went in their sanctuary, and that all of them was going to have to kneel on those little prayer blankets and say a prayer. This is what my Church of Christ buddy told him. He said, I ain't taking the field trip. He said, I'm not going to carry them kids out there to do that. He said, because I only believe in one God. I only believe in one. He, he said, I don't believe in that other mess. 
Lord, we got a lot of apostolics don't have that kind of zeal no more. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. What are you talking about, Brother Sam? I'm talking about absolute truth. What's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And it's time that the church starts standing up again for truth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We better. Evil's taking everybody out. Look, look at all. Look at that, all of those people down in Mexico gunned down, shot, and killed. Six of them were children. Six of them were children. Now the nine were children. Massacred, slaughtered. We're living in an evil world, folks. We better know who Jesus is. We better know who he is. So the question has a clear answer. It could, it's only one correct response. It, the second point, the question demands revelation. What I mean by that is, you're going to have to have a revelation of who he is to be able to know the right answer. It don't come no other way. It don't come no other way. Well, I don't necessarily think you have to have a revelation, Brother Sammy. Then how come billions of people around the world don't know it? Answer me that. I understand who Jesus is because God revealed it to me. The correct answer comes from revelation. <laughs> now, this thing story happening is recorded also in Matthew. Mark wasn't the only one who recorded it. Matthew recorded it and he added a little bit extra to it than Mark did. Look at Matthew 16 verses 16 and 17. Simon Peter answered and said you are the Christ. That's when Jesus asked him who do you say I am? Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Hallelujah. <coughs> if you know who he is, you need to praise God because God revealed it to you. You never would have got it on your own. You never figured it out. The light will never come on. You know who Jesus is? You are blessed. Because millions of people don't know who he is. They don't understand it. You've been blessed. You've got that revelation. Blessed are you, Simon. Because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't learn it at a Bible college. My Father in heaven revealed it. My Lord. Whew. That's powerful. Then the third point that I am want to bring out and talk about this question, the most important question ever asked. The question has eternal 
consequences. And this is, this is, this is why I call it the most important question ever asked. Because it's got eternal consequences. And we find this in, in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 24. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Wow. I would say that that question, who do you say that I am, is the most important question that you'll ever be asked in your lifetime. Hallelujah. It's got a clear answer. It demands revelation. And it's got eternal consequences. Praise the Lord. I am glad that I know who he is tonight. I'm so thankful that I know who he is. I'm so thankful that one day the light was revealed to me. I never will forget. I know where we were living at the time. And we took that little drive down to Columbia, Tennessee to a church having a revival. And I heard a man preaching things that I'd never heard preached in my entire life, and I've been brought up in church. And I thought, wow. I got, I got to check this out. I got to investigate this. And there at that house that we lived at, the next day, I sat down on the, at the kitchen table, I opened my Bible, and I began to turn. And things began to be revealed to me that I had read over and over. But it was like a veil before. I didn't see the significance of it. But revelation had come. I turned to Isaiah 9 and 6, where Isaiah prophesied the coming of Jesus 750 years before his birth. And Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Hallelujah. I, wow, I said, wow. Man, I couldn't hardly contain myself. Man, I quoted that verse right there as a little kid during the Christmas play. But Sister Margie, I didn't have a clue what it meant. But sitting at that kitchen table that morning, after God revealing to me, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
Wow. Hallelujah. So let me challenge you tonight in closing. Let me challenge you. If you even halfway feel as much as I do that this is the most important question ever asked, who do you say I am? When you're talking to somebody in conversation (coughs) and the opportunity comes, ask them who you say, who you think Jesus was, who you think he is. 